When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you as always by Strava Craft Coffee. Strava CBD Coffee is going to keep you nice and fresh in the morning since it's loaded with CBD, CBG. It's not going to give you those jitters if you want three or four cups in the morning. Helps with chronic headaches, joint pains, so much more than that. And now get 25% off your first purchase when you use code DNVR25 at StravaCraftCoffee.com. I'm your host, Patrick Lyons, and joining me on this beautiful day is our good buddy, host of the Drew Goodman podcast, the voice of the Rockies on AT&T Sportsnet. It's Drew Goodman. What's going on, buddy? Uh, Not too much. What's going on with you? Living the life. That's it. Every day it's it's filled with baseball, so you can't complain. We're, We're very lucky to get to do what we do. We, we're fortunate to do what we do, but we'd like the games to be uh, talked about. And uh, this is the week that um, spring training was going to commence with pitchers and catchers. And we know it's not. And that's uh, greatly disappointing, to say the least. Yeah, the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, I, I'm not a huge football guy. I, I think I've said that before. I've I, I really went all in on on baseball and, and my my fanhood and my my fandom ship where I just said, just give me all the baseball I can handle it. But when it comes to the Super Bowl, that's like the end of the football season and the start of the baseball season. And it was a little disappointing to not be able to say uh, after the, the Rams won and the game was over, hey, now it's officially baseball season. Couldn't couldn't actually say that, unfortunately. No, and 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 I think more frustrating and exasperating is uh, the lethargy of movement uh, – in the talks. I mean, they talk for 20 minutes and then it seems like it's another week or two before they sit down for another, you know, 25 minutes. Tremendously disappointing. Um, And as I've said on my podcast and I've said on your podcast that there are a lot of people who are going to get hurt financially beyond players and owners and the game is going to suffer greatly. And in some places, in some corners, we'll do irreparable damage because uh, there will there will be people who leave and, and don't come back. And you just push baseball at a time of year where they can, um, you know, somewhat dominate the landscape. It's before the postseasons of the NBA and the NHL. And uh, football is over. You know, uh, you know, football, like all these sports, try to become a 12 month entity with the, you know, in Indianapolis with the combine and then the, the lead up to the draft in April, et cetera. But um, it, it's a time that baseball has a chance to to dominate and they're going to miss out on that. And and all, all they are is going to gain, black, you know, multiple black eyes from this uh, if they don't resolve it quickly especially coming off the heels of the pandemic too, where you understand why we didn't have baseball and until July and, and that was fine. But yeah, obviously it's a, it's a much different situation and uh, your heart goes out to all those, you know, stadium workers. We'll see what happens if, if opening day gets pushed back, we're still holding out on hope. There's, you know, we still have a couple of weeks until we know if, if opening day will go down or not, but Hey, there's plenty of people who work at the ballparks down in Arizona and, and Florida that will be impacted like that and so that's uh disappointing but we'll we will have pitchers and catchers on on march 1st for the minor leaguers and uh, i've never been more excited for for minor league baseball before than than right now and and that might be one of the positives is that 
people do pay more attention to the minor leagues because you know I I know you have interest in it, but I've I've always loved it. Where where I grew up in New Jersey, you know, we were an hour outside of Philly in New York, so minor league baseball was the the only thing around that was easy. Where you know it wasn't that far of a drive, it was much more affordable, and I think that's a big introduction for a lot of people in the U.S. is is minor league baseball. So I hope. Uh, something positive comes from that because it's, it's, it's a great sport and minor league baseball is really where it's, it's at its most unique and, and, and basic and, and beautiful really. Well, so it's college baseball and here yeah. in, in Colorado, you know, from a division one standpoint, everybody always talks about division one, the only programs that play at that level, Northern Colorado, UNC and, and the air force Academy, but, and this is a big, but uh, baseball, I always say this in terms of, the, the, the difference in talent from D1 to, to D3, NAIA, uh, junior college, it's, it's really like this as opposed to like this in football and, and, and basketball. And the RMAC is an outstanding Division II league uh, led by year in and year out one of the best teams in the country in Colorado Mesa. So you, you have Metro State under Ryan Strain. They do a great job. Uh, Colorado, you know, Robbie Bales up at, uh, you know, School of Mines, terrific job. Dave Hadjik down at UCCS. Uh, there's new coaching staff down at CSU Pueblo. Uh, you know, you have Colorado Christian, Adam State. My point is, I went out, I think I mentioned this on the podcast last week. I went out and caught uh, Metro State playing Minot State last week. Really good college ball. So if, you, if you're jonesing for a baseball fix before the high schools get going, um, go on out and catch an RMAC game here in town. Um, there, there's plenty of them and they've already, they've already started. So uh, that that's an option for you and a good option. And that's a great point too. I think that's, that's something that maybe some baseball people or, or sports fans might not understand is, is that separation between junior colleges and, and some of the division one schools, because a lot of the, the D one schools, they tap into the junior college circuit to, to get some of their best players. I mean, we saw that with, with Sam Hilliard, you know, before he ended up going to Wichita state. So uh, it, it's a good feeder program. And so, yeah, minor league baseball will get a little bit more attention and, and as will college baseball. I know I'm, I've been pulling up the schedule, you know, to see when uh, the, you know, UNC bears are, are going to be in town uh, to check out some of their games, you know, when it, when it gets warm enough at least, but we get plenty of sun here where as long as there's no snow on the field, those guys can, can grit it out and uh, yeah. look forward to seeing some baseball college baseball in Colorado. Listen, they, cl- they clear fields quickly. Yeah. So <laughs> even if it snows, uh, you know, on a, on a Thursday, you know, afternoon, they can have that field ready Friday, but if it's, if it's turf and a lot of the, you know, schools do play on turf, a lot of the colleges at least uh, play on turf and, and you'll be, you'll be pleasantly surprised if you're unfamiliar with varying levels of college baseball, how good it is. And guys who end up playing professionally, you know, unlike, football and basketball, there are a good number of players that emanate from the varying levels in baseball. It's not just, oh, did you play in a power five school? Uh, I'm not saying, you know, those guys are going to have typically, you know, more talent and more ultimately professional talent, but there are plenty. And I mean, plenty, not, not a, a guy here or a guy there, but there are plenty of players uh, that populate minor league and, and big league rosters also that, you know, played division two or even division three baseball in, in college. Yeah. We saw Joshua Fuentes obviously do it as an undrafted free agent and a guy that's really high up in the Rockies, you know, top prospect lists is a division two player at a shepherds shepherdsburg, West Virginia, Brenton Doyle shepherd. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Brenton Doyle, you know, who, you know, won a gold glove, a minor league gold glove last year. And so, yeah, such, such great talent. And, you know, Steve, G asked a question here in our live chat. Again, if you're listening to this as a podcast, head on over to the DNVR Sports channel on YouTube. Question about how does the bullpen look this year? It's very timely that you bring this up because a guy that – I banged the drum a little bit at the beginning of the offseason. haven't talked about him a lot. He wasn't added to the 40-man this year, but he's a player who went to Regis Jesuit High School, went to Colorado Mesa, uh, was selected in you know in, in the mid-30s, in the, but had a fantastic year – at Hartford and AAA Albuquerque, Reagan Todd. And he's he's a lefty that I think is going to contribute to the bullpen. Much like last year, we saw that influx of of young guys where it's Julian Fernandez, Justin Lawrence, Ben Bowden, Jordan Sheffield, Lucas Gilbert. There's five rookie relievers. I think, although he's not on the 40-man right now, 
one of those Colorado kids who came through the RMAC in Reagan Todd. I think he's going to contribute a lot to the bullpen this year. Yeah, Regis High School product. I know Reagan. Um, uh, I'm really thrilled for his uh, advancement. Uh, you know, he's battled some injuries in his career, as seemingly uh, every pitcher does. Uh, but his head's right. Uh, he he's got a he's got a chance uh, to be impactful, and and I'm really excited about seeing you know where he's able to progress to in, in 2022 uh, to answer that gentleman's larger question um, I, I think when people talk about the perspectives of a team it's still it, it's hard to answer that in, in a definitive manner because we don't know what the roster will look like or how it's augmented once this uh, lockout is settled in that there's going to be there's going to be a free agent frenzy. So I mean, are the Rockies able to sign an impactful bat? Are they able to sign two impactful bats? Do they sign a bullpen arm? Uh, you know, do they make a move? So it, it's hard to you know just say, "Hey, this is what it looks like." We don't know fully what it looks like. I'm glad you mentioned some of those guys like a Jordan Sheffield, Patrick, because they do have some young, talented arms that you hope are ascending. And, you know, Jordan Sheffield, there were a lot of bright moments last year. I know he missed a huge chunk of time with, I think it was a lat injury. Uh, but this is this is a guy that they were concerned. The reason he was a Rule 5 selection of the Dodger organization is he didn't throw enough strikes. By and large, after a rough beginning in spring training, he did throw a lot of strikes uh, in in live games at the major league level during the regular season. So uh, I'm excited about him. There, there's a there's a group of guys that should be better. Lucas Gilbreth was really good in the final couple of months of the season. He should be better, one would hope, this year because of the experience um, for the first time at the big league level. Um, so, you know, th that, that group is going to be interesting. But, yeah, hopefully you're able to augment it as well once this whole thing is settled. I said at the beginning of last season that when we were – talking about, you know, what the strengths of the 2021 Rockies would be. And of course, we'll get to our, our big topic, the multiverse of, of what if back in, in 2020. So uh, we do have a couple questions here in the chat from, from Eric and Bad Flounder all about that. But I did say at the beginning of last season, obviously the rotation we knew was going to be the biggest strength. But I, I did think that the bullpen was going to be sneaky good and I regretted that during the first half of the year because so many of those young guys, they're getting their feet wet. But then in the second half of the year, they proved me right. And I felt a lot better about my prediction because they did step up. And we did see Lucas Gilbreth really, you know, put up some elite type numbers, especially, you know, for a left hand. I think it was only Aaron Loop really had better numbers than Gilbreth did in the second half after the all-star break. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of promise in the bullpen. And there's still some really good guys that, you know, had some good numbers last year at Albuquerque, whether it's Chad Smith, Jesus Tinoco is now back in the fold. So while, you know, certainly that's that's an area that every team has as a weakness and and would like to add to, even if the Rockies don't add to that bullpen, I, I think there's enough to say, you know what, they they can still probably get by the way they did in 2021 with shuffling and optioning guys back and forth down to Albuquerque and and, and seeing, hey, who sticks? Hey, if Sheffield can throw strikes, he's gonna be all right. And he was, you know, when, when Julian Fernandez was able to throw strikes, he was pretty dominant with that 102, what was it, 102 or 103 mile an hour fastball? Yeah, it was some, it was some there where in there, and, and I know in most of his ensuing appearances, he was more 90, you know, 96, 97, still a good arm, but, you know, the adrenaline uh, of that first outing uh, where he was consistently well into triple uh, digits, you know, was interesting. I, I'll give you another guy because I've always felt with a lot of bullpen arms, it's one good, one bad, one good, or, or, you know, one good, one, <laughs> and then, you know, maybe another good year. Yancy Almonte was really good in the shortened 2020 season, struggled last year. So he's a candidate to bounce back because he has a, you know, he's a good arm. He has a plus slider. Uh, he, he fell behind in counts last year. And, uh, you know, was not nearly as consistent as he was a year ago, but he'd be a candidate to bounce back. Tyler Kinley, you know, not a great first half of the year. The last couple of months of the season, he was very good. And, you know, he's a tough guy. I would say another bounce back candidate is Daniel Bard. 
What did he learn? What's it, you know, he's a, he's a thinking man's pitcher in addition to a guy who has a big arm. Uh, and he, he really had issues getting left-handed bats out. So what did he learn looking at the tape, having, you know, an off season to reflect on how he's going to attack left-handed batters because, you know, upper nineties with, with a, you know, 91 mile an hour slider, that's an unusual cat. And, and it's not about not throwing enough strikes as it was for, for a long period of time to, to the point where he, you know, almost had the yips from a pitching standpoint and, and was out of the game. That's not, that's not the issue. Now he's got to be able to consistently get ahead of left-handers and get left-handers out. So he also would be a candidate with a big arm to have a, a bounce back season. Yeah. You can really project with the bullpen and say, Hey, if things work out well for this guy, you've, you've got a lot of depth in that bullpen. And and as many guys as you're going to need for that, like you said, where you don't know if you're going to have it one day, but if you can have 10 guys that you say, if all goes well, you're going to have a strong bullpen. Well, that's great because hey, if only five of them work out, guess what? Five guys that you can rely upon for the sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth and rotate through those guys. That's going to be you know critical for, for 162 game season. You can't have enough quality arms. We, we know that. And the other thing that I so often repeat this time of year is that you're going to have, you know, good stories and, and, you know, some not so good stories and, and you, you need to have, and you're going to have questions and the more questions that you answer um, in an affirmative manner, when you and I are, are talking in August and evaluating where the Rockies are and why, if some of these questions again are answered in a positive manner, then you're like probably better, um, you know, than you'd hope to be maybe and, and have a, a team that, you know, potentially is contending versus, well, we thought this guy was going to do this. And unfortunately went the other way, this guy went the other way. So you need, you need some positive uh, stories, more positive stories. I know it's obvious than the negative stories, but there's always going to be questions, especially in the game of baseball, when it comes to performance, because it's inconsistent, uh, especially with pitchers, but you're going to need that as the season unfolds. And hopefully it's still 162 games. If the question is, what do I get with my membership to the DNVR.com? The answer is going to be a member-sized beer when you're hanging out on the corner of Colfax, New York at the DNVR bar. The answer is also discounts at DNVR Locker. In fact, if you're a new member, your annual membership gets you a free shirt at the DNVRlocker.com. You also get a members-only Discord where you can ask all the hosts and, and the other members wonderful questions. You don't have to worry about politics or anything like that. There's always deals of the week where you can get discounts on all kinds of stuff. So many different events that we have going on at our watch parties. And again, that member-sized beer is, is doing a lot of heavy lifting that we love, besides all of our great content on the Broncos, Avs, Nuggets, Rams, Buffs, Rugby. And now we got the Colorado Rapids. Drew, have you ever done a game for uh, the Rapids before? Have you ever done soccer? No. Nope. Don't you don't feel too broken up about that? Like that was a missed opportunity. Uh. I, I enjoy I enjoy all sports, and I sure. I guess pride myself on on career wise on my versatility because I've called a great number of sports. But the one sport or, or one of the sports that I uh, haven't done, and certainly you know maybe number one in the world is soccer. I didn't, I didn't grow up with it. And, um, and I guess thusly, I've never, you know, I've never done it. And, you know, there are other sports that are less mainstream that you can kind of learn on the fly a little bit and, and uh, you know, fake your way through it, so to speak. Never, not that you ever want to do that, but with soccer, uh, I mean, that, that's a sport you have to have watched and studied and, and et cetera. And never in my career was it, you know, presented as, something that well boy I better learn this because there's going to be an opportunity um, so no there's I no. have a I have a buddy that's kind of been in a similar similar shoes and he had to fake his way through gymnastics and I was like okay you know hey that that's impressive to be able to do that you're also not necessarily calling it on the fly for 90 straight minutes with all the action so uh, you can get away with it in some sports yeah a lot of those olympic sports i've done gymnastics and you know swimming and diving and all and in in many of those sports and you're going to rely even more heavily on the analyst right and, and it's really a setup it's really you know you know now on the floor exercise patrick lyons uh, you know let's say it's a collegiate thing junior from penn state 
um, all Big Ten a year ago, and then you lay out and let the experts say, well, that's a double, you know, whatever, and into a quadruple this, and you know, you're not. It's kind of like figure skating. It was like I did a lot of tennis back uh, a number of years ago, and tennis. The and I know I do know tennis, but the best policy there is just lay out. I mean, it's very you're, you're speaking, you know, very infrequently. And if there's going to be an analysis of the point or a particular stroke or strategy, that's going to come from the the person sitting next to you. So that's most of the Olympic sports, I think, are handled that way. They're different than, you know, football, basketball, baseball, hockey. My back is hurting just thinking about taking a double whatever into a quadruple so-and-so. I'm getting I'm getting very sore. But a sport I do know, you know, a lot about basketball. Good timing because Hoops fans have a latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. It's a deal that's too good to pass up. New customers can now bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on the NBA with same game parlays. You did it for the NFL. Now you can do it in the NBA where you combine multiple bets from the same game so that the more legs that you end up adding, the more money you win overall. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code DNVR DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit, Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. A little disappointed you haven't been able to watch Nuggets and Avs? Guess what? Evoca TV is a totally new paradigm for TV delivery that's less expensive and more efficient while offering you a superior picture than some of those legacy providers. Evoca TV includes local networks like Altitude Sports and other national channels with being more added to the lineup each and every day. Services are now available in Denver, Colorado Springs, and Phoenix, as well as other Rocky Mountain markets like Boise and Twin Falls, Idaho. In Denver, though, Evoca TV uses next-gen broadcast technology that allows for vibrant picture quality using far less bandwidth than streaming services. And yeah, you can still access next-gen broadcasts on ABC, NBC, Fox, CW. Most importantly, did I mention Evoca TV has altitude sports? Look, they make it easy to follow Colorado teams you love, including Nuggets, Avalanche, Rapids, Mammoth. Plus, you get access to the Rams, DU Pioneers, and Baseball 2. How do you sign up for Avaca TV? Just go to avaca.tv slash DNVR. That's avaca.tv slash DNVR. And at only $25 per month, plus receiver, you don't have to worry about a contract, no hidden fees. The price is locked in for two years. You can have all of your Denver sports once and for all. In the chat, Drew, we have someone, I don't know that I remember this as being a rumor. Maybe this was just wishful thinking. Was there a time in which possibly Bob Gephardt could have had Hall of Famer Pedro Martinez on the Rockies? Does that sound like something that was ever kicked around, or is that just wishful thinking? I would have that to ask. Yeah, I would have, have to ask. Get that. I don't, yeah, I don't, I'm not aware of, uh, you know, if there was some sort of deal that was imminent. Yeah, a lot of a lot of uh, those fans can can be GMs and and wishful thinking and hey, you never know if something like that could happen. But our what do you know? What do you know? We'll talk about today is goes back to 2020 when the Rockies had the best record in all of baseball. Again, this was the the pandemic season. We didn't have spring training. We had summer camp. We may may get familiar with that uh, phrase once again. We'll we'll see what happens. But we had summer camp. Season finally got started on July 23rd, the only time that opening day was on my birthday, and and I hope it will stay the only time that opening day and opening night was on my birthday, and Rockies got off to a super hot start. I know they played Oakland, they played Texas. In fact, I think they opened in Texas, right? It was the first game ever at the new stadium, Globe Life Field. I think Daniel Murphy had the first hit at Globe Life Field, and they went 11-3, and had the best record in baseball and from that point the wheels fell off they went 13 and 23 for the rest of the season and Nolan Arenado's traded in the offseason we're now seeing Trevor Story likely headed elsewhere John Gray is now signed with the Texas Rangers so the big what if that we kind of supposed last week as we closed out the show was 
what could have possibly happened had things gone differently where Rockies win 26 games, 26 and 34. We know 29 got the Marlins and Cleveland into the postseason. So what would it have meant for the Rockies to have gotten into the postseason that year? What would have been different? Well, I, I could tell you off the top, just from a sequential standpoint, it would have meant the Rockies were in the postseason three out of four years, 17, 18, and 20, which in the offseason of 20 would have made, even if Nolan Arenado was feeling the same way, it would have made him look particularly foolish if he were to articulate, you know, I, I want to win a championship, I want to play for a winner, because everybody would go timeout. How many teams have been to the postseason three out of four years? I mean, it, that, that's hard to do. Even, I mean, outside of the Yankees, outside of this run by the Dodgers, it's really, it's really hard to do that, even if you're a, a you know, deep-pocketed team. So that narrative would have changed. I'm not sure if, you know, privately he would have said, hey, you know, I feel like, you know, I thought we were going to do more in the offseason that sort of thing. But I was thinking about this and I know you and I chatted about it off air last week a bit, but had they just hung in there, I mean, 29 wins gets you in Houston also at 29 wins played in the postseason that year. And I get it. It was a 60 game. Uh, hopefully we never see anything like that again season, but it still counted. And yes, you had a bigger field going to the postseason, but it would have been three out of four years. And maybe Nolan's less disgruntled. Maybe the relationship doesn't deteriorate to the point that he's traded. Maybe it does. I don't know. But it could have it could have set the course for 21 and where we're sitting right now, 22, differently. And, Very and, I, and I think, you know, we, we haven't talked a lot about that. And they were sitting pretty. They were 11 and 3. I mean, you have to be, at that point, you've played a quarter of your season, basically, right? And you don't, you know, you don't even have to be 500 the rest of the way. You just got to hang in there and not be a disaster. And unfortunately, their record was disastrous the, the next 46 games. And to your point about having less credence or for Nolan having to have less credence with them making the postseason three out of four years, you also have the fact that at the time, general manager Jeff Breidich did go out at that trade deadline and acquired center fielder Kevin Pillar, who played really well, and a setup man in Michael Givens, who did struggle. But regardless, you say, hey, we brought in two guys. I mean, that's what they did in 2017. They brought in Lucroy. They brought in Nishek. Uh, same thing in 2018 when they went to the postseason, where they brought in Sung Wan Oh and Matt Holliday. And, and you could also throw Drew Butera into that mix. And so you say, look, everything is is very much the same in, in one sense. You understand you know, where, where Nolan was coming from to a degree. But again, it, a lot less credence can be given to this claims of, hey, this is somehow uh, a team that's rebuilding. It's postseason three out of four years. And that's really what I think Jeff Breidich at the time when he first took over the job and took over the reins was to try to build, you know, somewhat of a dynasty. Nowadays, the dynasty that you can hope for is going to the postseason a, a 75% of the time in a four or five year span. And he ultimately would have been able to do that from 17 to 2020, three out of four years, and and really kind of do what he was setting out to do. And, you know, it, it definitely would have been much different time. It, it, it would have been a much different time, potentially. Uh, and, and maybe, again, maybe Nolan sticks around, though. His contract was going to be onerous no matter what. Sure. Um, and I and I think the Rockies historically have done have tried to keep their superstars in the fold. And now the last couple of years, we've seen an exodus. We've seen the trade of Nolan, uh, the seemingly imminent departure of Trevor Story through free agency. You go back, though, they signed Nolan to, you know, a huge deal with two hundred and sixty five million dollars. Uh, they going way back. They signed Tulowitzki. They signed help. They tried to keep their mega stars. They even tried to do it, uh, but couldn't come to an agreement with Matt Holiday. And I believe they offered Holiday $120 million back then. Somewhere in that neighborhood was my understanding, at least. I, I think they have to be more prudent going forward, Patrick, understanding 
you know, whether it's realistic financially to sign that player. And if not, it, it becomes a business and it, and it can become cold and it can disappoint fans, but your job is to win as many games as possible. And if you hamstring your franchise because you're overloaded financially with one or two guys, and yeah, the fans are happy uh, when the, when that you know player signs and there's a press conference, and then you say, okay, well, we're still not very good. It's to put a winning team out there. And it, it's been convenient uh, because of their success to always point to Tampa. Tampa is not at all afraid to part with guys that became household names in the Tampa St. Pete area, going back to Evan Longoria, going back to Blake Snell more, more recently. And you say, wait a second, these guys, you know, are moved in their primes, but they, they do that. They usually get heavy return and they remain, as we know, an, an elite team when it comes to wins and losses. And I think the Rockies are going to have to follow that, um, you know, game plan, if you will, uh, on a regular basis moving forward. And, and you can't just fall all overly in love with guys that were, were raised a Rocky. And if you don't think you can keep them, you got to get something for them. And, I, and let me add something really quickly, Patrick. Please. One of the things that, that looks like it's coming out that, you know, the owners have uh, acquiesced on is that if you lose a player to free agency, like the Rockies look like they're going to lose Trevor story and they gave him a qualifying offer, they're going to get a draft pick that may looks like it may be going away, which is going to put even more of an emphasis on if you don't think you can sign him and you got to have conversations and really feel like, you know, make, make a decision in June or July at the latest, then you have to trade those guys. And so there may be more trades that, that take place and you're going to really have to take a good temperature of that player and what it'll take. Is it doable? And does it make sense to do it? If you do think it's doable. Yeah. Tampa Bay definitely does the best with that. And I think their fans, and I know they have a much smaller fan base, but even just baseball fans, and I think sports fans are intelligent enough to know that, look, that's the way that they're able to stay competitive is before the player reaches free agency. If you look at it as an asset, not the human as an asset, but the contract and the skills and abilities of that player, that you have to have that high turnover of, of players. I mean, you, you can go back and look at the Chris Archer deal. I mean, he's back with Tampa and Pittsburgh. They said, all right, we're going to go all in. If we add this guy on a very team-friendly contract, he's going to make the difference. And the Rays are still reaping the benefits in the form of Tyler Glass now, Austin Meadows, and even Shane Boz that we got to see there in the postseason. So they got three players just as good, if not better, than Chris Archer, than the actual player that they they gave up. And so you have to be creative in that way. And and you can still be active on on the you know uh, free agent market, just probably not as as much. Like Tampa, they brought in Charlie Morton in the past. Uh, I think Corey Kluber signed down there. I believe, right, Michael Waka. So you can still supplement, but more on on a short term basis, and and understand that. Look, you gotta you gotta give a little to get a little, and and you might not be able to keep your guys for the in, the duration of their career, like with Todd Helton or even a Carlos Gonzalez, who who also got one of those long term deals. Yeah, and and I'll point another player out. I think the downturn that the, the Rockies are currently in began when they didn't offer a deal to, to DJ LeMahieu. And I think they underestimated the impact DJ had not only on the field, but in that clubhouse. And and Dick Monfort came out, I think it was a year ago, somewhere in that time frame, and said just as much that, you know, that that's really one that he'd like a, you know, a do-over on. And, you know, so then it was DJ and then obviously they they didn't maintain solid play after the 11 and three start uh, in the 2020 season. And now, you know, Nolan and, and Trevor depart. So now you have to remake your club, especially offensively. And, um, you know, I, I think show the fans in addition that, you know, you have a game plan, you know, moving forward to, you know, to, to start winning more games and, and also to let people in the industry, players in the industry know, that, um, you know, it's, it's going to be run, you know, differently that not, you know, not every name, you know, decent name is going to 
become unhappy with the organization and and ultimately depart. So, you know, that that's something that Bill Schmidt internally has, you know, getting everybody on the same page. And I think internally, um, from all indications, he's he's done that and everybody, you know, is, as he said, pulling on the rope in the same direction. But now you're going to have to, you know, go out there and and demonstrate that in the real world with with moves and and um, you know ultimately with wins because in any sport it always comes down to that it comes down to you know you win more than you lose it solves a lot of issues. You mentioned the DJ Lemayhu business. That's another one of those what ifs where if Lemayhu was slotted in there at, at second base, you'd had Ryan McMahon as a first baseman, and sure that means maybe you're you're wasting a Gold Glove caliber defensive third baseman. But if you still got Nolan over there, you got McMahon at first base, he's a little bit more settled. And, and what happens to his career and, and his trajectory? Because we know that, you know, being bounced on, it's hard being a utility player. I mean, Ben Zobrist, you know, maybe he was overpaid a little bit uh, when he went to Chicago. But there's, there's only a, a few amount of players that can perform at a really high level when they go into the clubhouse every day and they don't know where they're going to be hitting in the lineup and they don't know what position they're going to play. And it's kind of with the idea that, Hey, maybe Chris Bryant will come to Colorado. If, if you go out and you're spending $160 million on Chris Bryant, I don't think he's playing left field one day and then third base and then center field and maybe first base that will happen over the course of, of a season. But I don't think he's permanently a utility player if you're spending more money on him than anyone else. So I think again, LeMahieu's back. Ryan McMahon is going to have, you know, a much different future. We, we, we just never know, but it certainly is uh, an interesting, interesting thing to, to surmise and hypothesize on. Yes. Um, and uh, you know, there's no way of telling as we talked about what would have happened had they made the postseason in 20, maybe make a little bit of a run. Uh, I, yeah. I, I, I do feel comfortable saying at least publicly, you would look very foolish anyone to question a team after they were in the postseason three out of four years or question, Hey, I want to win. I just want to be with the winner. You, you know, people would kind of look at you with a raised eyebrow, wouldn't you? Absolutely. Yeah. And again, story in gray, we're still on this roster in 2021. So again, the, the team looks a, a lot different uh, with Nolan Arenado still around on the roster. Drew, yeah, I, mean, it, it, yeah. it, I will say this. It looks a lot different. We're talking about the rhetoric of, of what we know took place in the off season and the deterioration of a relationship between a, a cornerstone of your franchise and, and the front office at the time. But it doesn't change the fact that even in 2020 and going back 2019 and, and even really 2018, and you can look no further than the postseason disappointment after they beat Chicago in 13 innings to scoring only two runs in, a, in what became a three-game a sweep by Milwaukee, they've been deficient offensively. And that was when they had Nolan. That's when they had Trevor. And, and for a year, it's when they had DJ LeMahieu also. Um, so even if, if Nolan had never left town and the Rockies never moved him to St. Louis, this would be an offense right now that in this offseason, they would be hunting bats. That uh, uh, would not change. Agree wholeheartedly on that. I'm hoping you're going to agree, Drew, that you might want to add some athletic greens to the diet. It's a great way to start your day. I've, I've been using it, and it's, it's made me feel a lot more confident in possibly running a marathon or two this year. i got to look and, and plan the schedule. Again, it's how I start my day, and so it, it's gotten me feeling a lot more upbeat with that one scoop of athletic greens that helps my body absorb 75 high-quality vitamins, whole foods, sword superfoods, probiotics, minerals, adaptogens. It, it helps me start my day off right. Gives me a lot of mental clarity and alertness, positive gut health, because once your gut is not doing so well, it's usually too late. But Athletic Greens for me has become this micro habit with big benefits. It's the one thing I can do every day, first thing in the morning, to help take care of myself and put me put me in the in the black, put me in the positive rather than in the red and the negative as soon as I wake up. Now to make it easy for you guys out there, when you Athletic Greens is giving you a free one year supply of immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do is visit them at athleticgreens.com/roc. The first three letters in Rockies. Again, that's athleticgreens.com/roc to take ownership over your health. To pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. 
Drew, one of the questions and one of the topics here going on in the chat, such great engagement from everybody enjoying the DNVR sports channel over on YouTube is we brought him up, Pat Nishak. Do you have a couple of relievers that you can recall? And maybe Nishak is one of them that when they come into the game, it's going to be, well, if it's not exciting, it's certainly going to be interesting or you just like to see them work and, and, and do their job. Again, you do it in small spurts. It's usually one inning at a time. And look, sometimes there's been a couple guys when they, they go to the bullpen in between innings, us in the press box, you know, we, we might laugh and, and snicker and say, well, this is going to be an adventure. So, you know, that might not be a positive thing, but it certainly does make it interesting. Would you put Nishek on that list? Who are, who are some of those guys that might tick off those boxes? Or do you mean like had supreme confidence when they came in or made it interesting because they get outs, but they also create traffic? Yes. Yeah, well, I've seen a lot oh. of those guys, um, <laughs> you know, throughout throughout baseball, not just with the sure. Rockies. Where, all right, you know, listen, you know, Bard became that last year. I'm not picking on Daniel, uh, but, you know, he became that where, okay, there's going to be a hit. There's going to be a walk. There's going to be base runners. There's going to be deep counts. This is going to be in, you know, could be a roller coaster ride. There were very few, you know, clean one, two, three innings, you know, 10, 12, 14 pitches and, and you're shaking hands. So um, it's a tough, if it's, it's a tough task, especially when you're pitching in the eighth and, and ninth inning, uh, there, you know, there's, there's a long list of guys that, um, you know, you got, you got your money's worth um, when they, when they went to the mound from an entertainment standpoint, good and bad. I always thought Adovino was always entertaining at, at sometimes, you know, there'd be a little bit of traffic, but you know, he, he'd always keep it interesting, especially if there was a runner on base, if he, if he threw one in the dirt, whatever it may be, but he, he was, he was exciting and he was electric too, or he was dominant. At well, he, well, yeah. I mean, he had his moments to, to your point where, whoa, I mean, I remember one time he, he had an outing where he threw more balls to the backstop than he did hitting the catcher's glove. But he also had some some long periods where he was unhittable. And it, and it was when he came in, I wasn't worried about a walk. I wasn't worried about a hit. I was like, you know, he's going to dominate. Um, and, and he has had a good long career as a as a top setup man. And, you know, he was originally a number one pick out of Northeastern and, and he was a starting pitcher and he got converted to a short guy. Um, I, it's so hard to, to point to relievers that pitched in high leverage situations and were re able to repeat it year after year after year and didn't have some hiccups along the way. Um, so, you know, a lot, a lot of those guys, uh, you know, they they got high end stuff, and there's going to be a walk in there. They get used a lot. You never, you know, they don't come out and say, "Hey, really, I'm 80 percent today." They just take the baseball. I mean, there's a great pride thing when your bullpen phone rings, and you're not going to say, "Hey, I'm down today." A lot of times, the manager, along with the trainer, has to suggest, "You know what? This guy's down today," and and a player may go, "No, I'm good." And especially in the middle of the season, the, the manager will stay away from that particular pitcher. But I think all relievers typically, you know, go through periods where ooh, it's, it's a roller coaster ride. Yeah. Great career. Uh, not bad for a guy who was selected off of waivers from the Cardinals. So, hey, yeah. and Otto's a free agent, too. So. Hey, maybe he's one of those guys that comes back that that obviously would be very exciting. Yeah. One of my favorite Rockies, uh, deep thinker, bright guy. Um, interesting guy. And uh, as I said, he, there's still there, somebody when this whole thing, uh, you know, comes to an end, somebody's going to grab Adam out of, you know, I mean, he's not done pitching at the big league level. If he comes, if, if he comes back to the Rockies, we'll have to see if he can, uh, you know, throw a bullpen at the bar on Colfax and York. Cause we know he likes to, to throw indoors and, if you remember that story a couple off seasons ago yeah. inside of a building there in, in Manhattan. So we'll see if we could throw a little bullpen session. We might, we might have 60 feet, six inches. We might have enough in the bar. We'll have to make that work. I'm trying to think you may have to move some tables around though. Oh, yeah. Move some tables around. Question is who's going to catch him? I don't, I don't know. We'll have to get Mooney. We'll have to get Munoz in. Yeah. You, you better bring a, uh, somebody with experience, uh, behind the plate.
Very true. All right. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, I don't know if it was a troll job, but we'll, we'll break it down. ESPN ranked the top 100 baseball players of all time. And, you know, their, their top list, their top 10 list, can't really argue with it. Number 10, Stan Usual, Walter Johnson, Barry Bonds, Mickey Mantle, Lou Gehrig, number five, Ted Williams, Ty Cobb, Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, Babe Ruth. Yeah, I mean, those are those are about the 10 greatest ball players of all time. But they had a couple, you know, more modern players that we'll look at now and break break down. We'll have a little bit of a face-off. And number 100 on their list was Barry Larkin, which I thought maybe was a little bit curious, but maybe even more curious, I don't know, was number 94, Bryce Harper. So is is Bryce Harper already now one of the top 100 players of all time? And and if not, you know, are, are you putting him above Barry Larkin? Obviously, play different positions, but what, what's your take on on hearing that Larkin makes the top 100 as the last guy, and then Bryce Harper, he's already in there at another, number 94? Yeah, I, I understand Barry Larkin is a Hall of Famer. Um, for me, if they played in at the same time, I would prefer to have Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper is such an impactful bat, and you're talking about a very young player that still won, that, that's already won two MVP awards. True. Larkin won an MVP award in a year that probably Dante Bichette, quite honestly, should have won it. Preach. And, and so I, I have no issue with a guy who's won two MVP awards in his 20s uh, being – on that list as a top 100 guy. This is a lethal bat. And he's also been a good defender by and large uh, in the outfield, but that's secondary to me because that is a, that is a middle of the order of bat on any team in any league in any era. So I have no issue with him coming in. You said at 94, Uh, you know, Barry Larkin top 100. I mean, I I guarantee you, 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 there's probably, another 50 or a hundred players, you could say, well, I can make a case in front of a Barry Larkin. It's not to diminish Barry Larkin uh, as, as a baseball player, just, you know, for me, it it probably at first glance without breaking down numbers, because this is the first you and I have talked about this. And um, I I would say that, you know, he's probably a borderline guy. Yeah. That was, that was my takeaway from it too, where I was a little bit shocked. Again, he's a hall of famer. He's, He's great. And I, and I did hear a story where, you know, someone in, in Cooperstown said like, man, I, I can't believe that. I, I don't feel comfortable in this room. It was a reporter. And Barry Larkin said, yeah, me too. Like he didn't even feel like he belonged. So uh, you like that, you know, humility that, that he has, but yeah, I think Harper probably would maybe be ahead of Larkin by a little bit, but I, I might have both of those guys just outside the top 100. I, I don't know exactly who I would slot in front without going down the list and, and bleeding over it. But, I think for me, it's it's hard to contextualize Bryce Harper's career from the aspect that, you know, the expectations for him were so ridiculously high, and in some and ways, maybe Patrick, and he's come through. He's. I want to say in some ways he's fallen flat of it, but when you talk about the two MVPs, that's that's on par for being you know an all time great. So, it, it's hard because again with the hype, it's the same thing with Zach Veen. Like, where does he have to win an MVP to? to meet the hype, it, it's hard. It's, it's just so, it's so subjective in, in, in so many ways, but Bryce Harper, and again, his career is still going on. I think, I think the thing with Bryce Harper is he was on the scene before Mike Trout and then Mike Trout passed him up tenfold, but Hey, Harper's still going strong. And so, yeah, when, when, when it's all said and done, it, Bryce Harper will probably be in the top 100 without a doubt. Well, see, again, I mean, that, that's a beautiful thing about baseball. It's a beautiful thing about your show because you debate different things, Patrick. And for me, you know, I just quickly got on his baseball reference page and he has an OPS plus in his career. And this is his age 29 season that he'll be embarking on. So he's got a lot of good baseball left. He's already he's got 100. He, he's a 142 OPS plus. So he's 42 percent better than average already in his career two MVP awards, six-time All-Star. Um, I have no problem without uh, – I don't have the context of going, hey, here, here's the first 20 names that were left off the list, comparing and contrasting. But if you said, you know, is Bryce Harper feel like a, a top 100 player all time? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. 
rookie of the year uh, in his at 19 years old. Uh, yeah, that's why to me he started that game. He's absolutely lived up to the immense and over the top projections, considering he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated as a 16 year old. I mean, he's lived up to it. No, very, very true. I, I do think about, you know, the Nationals having won the World Series as soon as Harper moves on, get not necessarily as a knock on him, that's but not his, that's not his no, fault. That's true. That's true. It, it, it's part of a part of that, that conversation. And so, you know, Hey, look, I, I've, I was a, I was a big Bryce Harper fan. I, I think I saw him. I don't know if he was 18 or 19 at the time, but I went out to the, to my local ballpark for the Jersey shore blue claws to see him play when he was with the Hagerstown sons where, you know, you had to see this kid. He's one of the few guys that you, you'd have bought a ticket at a minor league game just to see him. It's probably Bryce Harper. And then Tim Tebow might be one and two uh, when, when it comes to going to see a, a minor league ball player. So yeah, Bryce Harper is, is, is one of those dudes for sure. He, he's got a career OPS of 916. You think there's, you think there's, I know on that list, top 100, there's, there's a bunch of pitchers obviously as well. Do you think there's 50 players who have a higher career OPS in 916? No way. Right. I don't yeah. think. No, absolutely. No, it, and, and again, of his time and of his era, I think, again, when there's so much hype on a guy, you start thinking about the all-time perspective, and, and maybe, maybe that's where I'm going wrong. Maybe that's where I'm, I might be skewing things against him because just compared to his peers, yes, absolutely, he has been one of the greatest of his generations. And what, he might only be halfway through his career. We, we know he's, he's contractually only halfway through his career because I think he still has 10 more seasons in Philadelphia. So. Uh, hats off to him. All right. Next oh, one. Because I, I did this really quickly. I want to see if I was right. Actually, I got you heated up. I got you heated up over Harper here. Actually, Bryce Harper comes in 56th right now, all time in OPS. So I thought it was, I thought it'd be, would there be 50? Mike Piazza is number 50 at, at 920, rounding off 922. But Albert Pujols, is it, is it, 918 53 53rd all time so i mean the people around bryce harper um you know jason giambi's right in front of him Pujols a couple of spots in front of him uh five spots in front of him miguel cabrera that's pretty good company no it pretty is good company because we're talking about a different era of baseball some of the guys that are you know right near the top all time played when pitchers didn't come out of games played before there were you know heavy bullpen usage and you were seeing three different arms typically in a game you know ruth williams Gehrig, uh, you know oscar charlton charleston yeah. um, you know the only in the top 10 the only you know more modern day player in the last 50 years is barry bonds not surprisingly mike trout comes in 11th manny ramirez 12th anyhow that's a good group. I, I think for me, I might still be looking too much at the counting stats. And you say, well, he's only had 100 RBI twice. Okay, again, that that's we, we know that counting stat isn't necessarily the fault of, of the player at the plate if there's nobody on base. But I'm you know, surprised that he doesn't even have 300 home runs yet. He will get there. And again, I think it's just that I'm probably holding him to a much higher standard because of, of all that hype that's going back now probably about 15 years. Yeah, that's, uh, but I, I got to readjust my calculations here for Mr. Bryce Harper because he's, he's still been pretty damn good. All right. He's, all, he's a Hall of Famer. I yeah. mean, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. He absolutely yeah. will be. Here we've got two Hall of Famers. One that's definitely a Hall of Famer because he's in and one that will be very shortly on the list. It's Frank Thomas and Ichiro Suzuki. Frank Thomas was 49, Ichiro 46. So they're right next to each other. Between those two guys, what's your first inkling on who had a better career, the Big Hurt or Ichiro Suzuki? Hmm. Uh, again, I'd have to look at that. Completely different players, as we totally. know. One guy you yes. want leading off and, and one guy you want in, you know, batting third, uh, typically in your lineup, because you know, Frank Howard or uh Frank Thomas was a guy that not only hit for power, clearly, yeah. he also hit for average. He He's one of the all-time great hitters 
who hit a lot of home runs. And so he, he feels like a top 50 player. And Ichiro is a freak. One of the great <laughs> arms in baseball, you know, blurring speed, unbelievable hand-eye coordination. Uh, when you combine what he did in Japan, more, more hits than anyone, including uh, Pete Rose. So, yeah, talent-wise, I think both are, you know, this is, this is just off the top of my head. If you say top 50, which is what ESPN had them in, I say, yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't feel, you know, in it all uh, out of place. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. I, I think where they rank is right there. And it's hard if you're saying, hey, who had the better career? Because as you said, yeah, they're two totally different. You, have, you got a power hitter who did hit for average, had a career 301 batting average, the big hurt did. And you have a guy who certainly wasn't a slap hitter because that's that might be a little bit demeaning, but a guy who, you know, isn't known for his power, did hit over 10 home runs, you know, three different times in his career, did have an MVP, was rookie of the year and MVP. Uh, in, in 2001, in each year, whereas Frank Thomas had the back-to-back MVPs. And so even if you just looked at what Ichiro was able to do in America, it's it's very close. But if you throw in his play over in Japan and what could have been if you know he had been able to, to play in America at 20, 21 years old, I think you might have had Ichiro much higher on this list because, as you said, you combined his, his play in NPB as well as MLB, he's got the most hits any human being all time on any planet, as far as we know. The planets that we're aware of that are baseball playing planets. That's a true statement. Um, <laughs> Frank Thomas, by the way, is that the OPS list out 974 OPS all time 17th. And Larry Walker is right next to him at 18th um, all time. So let me double check that. Yep. Frank One, Thomas is Larry Walker's 18th. Yeah, 156 OPS plus for the big hurt. So he was there. And again, you say, well, he was a DH, you know, towards the last part of his career and whatnot. But good hands early in his career. He had good hands early in his career when he hit first base. Listeners of the pod will know the answer to this trivia question. Drew, first base hit for Frank Thomas was a triple. Do you know who it was off of? look on your face well again contextual if you listen to the podcast for more than one reason not just because you know it's just a random thing it's connected to the, to our show to a couple of guests that we've even had this week and last week you had a question for him last week i did I was about to have him on and i said hey you got anything for this guy oh that's right <laughs> you asked me to remember a week ago now i do remember this conversation all right, go ahead. This is bad podcast. Me with my hand. I do this all the time with my hand, you know, wrapped around my head trying to remember. The frustrating uh, look. Yeah, it yeah. might have to turn you into a meme here, Drew, with your, that look on your face. Got, got to go to the DNVR, DNVR Sports Channel over on YouTube to, to see that reaction. Mr. Mark Knutson, first career hit. It was a triple from uh, Frank Thomas. Think, yeah, that's right. I think I've heard I saw Mark that online. That. He, yeah, he started the whole thing, didn't he? But I gave him Frank credit because I think it was like a rope-a-dope situation where he wanted to tire him out and say, you know, what? all right, well, I'll let you hit this triple. And then, you know, you're going to be trying to catch your breath for the next, you know, 18 seasons of your career. And so who knows how great Frank Thomas would have been if Mark Knudsen didn't play a little game of chess and forced he, him into that triple. Yeah, if he doesn't give up a hit, maybe maybe gets sent out and he, and he never returns. Another what-if situation yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Ichiro is legendary. I, I'm, I'd be curious, what if – for Ichiro, if if he was still playing, like I, be curious to see how how well he could do on the field because he's he's still got. It. Have you seen those clips of him, you know, coaching you know different teams and he'll be at home plate and he can you know knock a, a milk bottle off the right field yeah. fence. The he's amazing. With, he's yeah, the thing with the bats. Um, if he was playing in the big leagues today, he would not be the worst player in the big leagues. No, he wouldn't. Do you? Now again, you can't even remember what we talked about less than a week ago, but do you do you remember that game with you know at least maybe not all the specifics, but the buzz in the ballpark for that series against Miami where Ichiro was going into it, you know, needing that that one more hit, and he nearly got it the night before. I think that was a night game where I think he came in as a pinch hitter, got a hit, stayed in the game, and then had one more at bat, 
And then he finally got it uh, on the day game, you know, with the triple. And I think there was a lot of media that was in the house. I was there in right field uh, as a fan. I hadn't started working for DNVR. So I can actually watch the clip and I'm wearing a light blue baseball cap. And you could see me. I was the first one who stood up because I go, the ball's coming this way. I didn't jump over the railing like, like that one guy did who got ejected. But I can point to myself in that clip. Do you? What do you remember from that day, or at least just how special of a moment that was to call a player's three thousandth hit? Because it hasn't happened very often. No, it, I mean it's neat whenever something like that occurs, and you know you have immense respect for for a guy that's able to you know accumulate that number of hits, especially Ichiro's story coming over from Japan. And I mean, th- this is a guy that. He, he that that bat kind of like we always talk about the late Tony Gwynn. It was a it was a magic wand. Um, you know he he had a unique style, more of that far eastern style where he almost looks like he's running to first before he swings. But yeah. you know, he was able he he was like Gumby man. He was able to keep his hands back and still you know drive the outside pitch the other way, even though it seemed like he was halfway to first base. We know many stories about. The fact that he had a ton of power, I witnessed it in batting practice, legit power. And just like Tony Gwynn, that it was said in, in, in Wade Boggs as well, that had they focused on just hitting the ball over the wall, they could have been 30 home run guys instead of guys that, you know, would hit some home runs, but, you know, hit for, uh, you know, an exceedingly high average. So, yeah, it's special. I think, I you know, I'm privileged enough to have been behind the mic on that one. I think back to being in Houston with the Rockies when Craig Biggio had a five for five day that included his 3000 hit. Um, You know, those are big, big, big time milestones as we know in a sport that so embraces and cherishes um, the numbers in the game. So you, yes, you do remember, you know, those points in time. People definitely remember from last week on the Drew Goodman podcast, Tony Alford. And again, a lot of people know him. He's, he's one of those Colorado guys, uh, has a lot of ties to this area. He's back this week for part two of the conversation on the Drew Goodman podcast, which drops on Thursday. I know you've got all your takes on the Olympics, Super Bowl. What are some of the great takeaways uh, that, that we're going to hear in that interview? Because the first part was already fantastic about, you know, the perseverance that he's had to overcome in his career. And so, you know, more pearls of wisdom for Tony Alford over there at Ohio State. Well, I mean, Tony talks about, you know, being a, a longtime assistant coach. And, you know, we talk about the Brian Flores, you know, lawsuit and, and you know, Tony at times, you know, I think being passed over. Um, we talk about and, and again, Tony, Tony's a really humble guy. and um, he, He's very appreciative of where he is and where he's been and he lives in the moment but the impact um that he's had on on guys and what we talk about the new recruiting world which is i think a fascinating topic nowadays yeah especially when we talk about a guy who's recruiting to one of those you know elite schools the handful i mean that have separated themselves the last few years that, that really have a legitimate chance as you know patrick year in a year out to win a national championship, you know, the Alabamas, the, the Georgias, the Clemsons, the LSUs, I know they were down this year, but Ohio State, and they're really maybe the only Northern school that you can make that statement, and Tony's in the middle of it. So we talk a lot about that, and, the, and again, the NIL and the transfer portal, and uh, we get into Joe Burrow. Remember, Joe Burrow was at Ohio State. Joe Burrow was at Ohio State, so we talk about that. Uh, personally, I'll reflect a little bit on some of the Super Bowl uh, you know, stuff, maybe a little bit more uh, Olympic stuff, but, you know, we'll have fun. And uh, again, I thought the interview with Tony um, <laughs> <I'm not laughs> what was, was compelling enough. And we, and we just went on and uh, that we had to split it into two parts. So I, I think people will, um, you know, derive a lot out of, of part two as well and find it interesting. Yeah, plenty of relevance. It's not just, hey, here's someone that that I know and it has connections. Like you said, all of these topics that are going around and buzzing in, in sports, you know, he, he touches on all of those. So uh, that's a that's a must listen, a must download, as it is each and every week on the Drew Goodman podcast. Drew, this has uh, it's been real. It's been fun. It, and it has been real fun, too. I, I think we can say that. 
Yeah, I mean, I didn't get my trivia question fixed this week. So next week I need I need some more trivia because I always look forward to my uh, my, my 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 Patty Lyons uh, trivia question. Trivia uh, questions, I, plural. I'll give you one quick one. Okay. On Monday, it was the 30th anniversary of which radio station signing a five-year deal to broadcast the Colorado Rockies? I think I got that one. Uh, a radio station that... When they signed that uh, deal, I was affiliated with KOA, the 50,000 watt blowtorch. <coughs> there you go. All right. Yeah. Now you got a streak. We're going to build off of this streak now. One for one. Let's keep do, you going. Remember, do you remember the uh, initial two announcers on the radio side for the Rockies? When you say the names, I'm going to remember it. Actually, I feel like there were three guys. Wasn't uh, there three? There was there was two, unless I'm messing up. No, there were two. Okay. Wayne Hagen. Yes, that that's and, the big one I should have gotten. And yeah. Jeff Kingery, who would come over from the Nuggets. So th- those were the two original, you know, radio announcers. Wayne Hagen was the lead, and, and Jeff Kingery, and then uh, you know Wayne en- ended up moving on to St. Louis at one point, and that's when Jack Corrigan uh, came came over. Jack had been in Cleveland, and then when Jeff retired. That's when Jerry Schimmel, who also was doing the Nuggets, came over. So it's actually three, because if I, I guess, include myself, there's three guys that have broadcast the Rockies, whether it be radio or television, that um, were involved with the broadcasting of the Nuggets uh, at, at one point as well. There you go. There the you go. The more you know. It's the history. The more you know, <laughs> the less you know when you listen to me. So. It's trivia. It's history. It's all rolled into one. That, that's what we're bringing here. It's fantastic. Make sure you're following Drew over on at Drew Goodman 42 on Twitter. Uh, all our great Rockies content at DNVR underscore Rockies. 50 cents for your first month at the DNVR.com. I'm at Patrick D. Lyons on Twitter. For DNVR Sports, he's Drew Goodman. I'm Patrick Lyons. This has been fun, but you know what they say about momentum? It's only as good as your next podcast. So I'll talk to you then. First step to good health is actually taking care of your mouth. It's really true. The folks at Green Mountain Dental Group have been pivotal in keeping those of us at DNVR in great shape in this capacity. So now, when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, Green Mountain Dental Group is going to give you a free Sonicare toothbrush. That's Green Mountain Dental Group located only 15 minutes from downtown Denver.